welcome to episode 629 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Joe and Todd here. Todd, hello. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Wheeling and dealing for cards over here, but uh, other than that, I'm ready to do a show. Going to shake out some couch cushions to see if you could find some? Mm-hmm. If not, I'm going to use the change to buy some. Oh, my goodness. No, I think they go for a little bit more than that, but we shall see, you know? Mm-hmm. Right, right. So how are you? I'm doing good. I'm ready to talk about some comic book stuff. Enough dilly-dallying. We did enough of that on After Dark this week. Yep, because uh, it's going to be a short show, though, Joe. Uh, After Dark was a long show. This will probably be a long show. We got a lot to talk about, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, of course, um, we have another 30th anniversary coming up, and we're going to see how that gets celebrated. Uh, a big acquisition over at Disney+. Plus. The end of an era when it comes to holding the line at two ninety nine, <laughs> and something that had been rumor and innuendoed on social media for the better part of the last couple days, and then getting a definitive confirmation on the big change over at DC Warner's, and uh, yet another edition of the Rob Watch. Oof. The Rob is and has been busy. Yes, he has. He's been energetic lately. <laughs> Certainly has. Conventions this weekend, what we read this week, which is Nightwing number 97 and Rogues number 4, what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, the results and next matchup in the Todd and Joe Have Issues, a.k.a. Todd and Joe Go Rogue segment of the Silver Standard, and we'll get more into that when we get towards that. Todd's Art Attack. And spoiler-filled discussion of the latest episodes of Stargirl and or and whatever that Doctor Who thing was on this weekend. So I'm letting you handle Doctor Who then is what you're saying? I got notes. You're going <laughs> to need to make a lot of corrections on my notes, but I got notes. <laughs> right, right. You're going to get you're gonna be like, no, you're gonna get just a lot of yelling, you know? <laughs> right. I don't know about our sound levels, Joe, so calm mm-hmm. down. Then this guy came in and said this, and that guy came in, and I don't know who any of these people were, but they were there. I can't wait to school you, Joe. Oh, I can't wait to be schooled. (laughs) So the January solicitations came out over the weekend uh, for all of our publishers, and that means we'll have our Diamond Previews catalogs waiting for us, hopefully, when we go get our books this week. Right. And the Marvel one and the DC one and all the separate ones that are out there. I just get the regular Diamond one. I get the DC and the Marvel ones because it makes it easier while I'm laying on the couch to do my lists. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I prefer instead of scrolling online and blah, blah, blah. And I don't know. I just like to have the physical copies. And then when there's a first appearance, I'll be rich. Oh, that's true. That does happen more often on the Marvel and DC side. Right. Anywho... Uh, We are currently in the midst of the Chip Zdarsky first arc on Batman, and we do see that he, Batman, has been taking on, battling, what have you, um, failsafe. And the solicitations certainly sort of sound like there's going to be a big change in the Bat books. Um, Batman 131... Um, after failsafe, there is no Batman to save Gotham City. Whatever happened to the man known as Bruce Wayne? Uh, the failsafe arc reaches its stunning conclusion. Batman has one final desperate option, and the answer will shock you. Right. So, 
I read these things and I just glance through them and I'm like, okay, just tell me when the book, what day the books are out, you know? Right. We're, uh, we're big fans of Zdarsky on Batman, so yeah. I don't need to see solicitations. Uh, I don't need this extraneous information. I appreciate it. I don't need it, right? Mm-hmm. But as these books come out in 2023, this is the 30th anniversary of the Nightfall Saga, right? Yep, which was a story about someone who had Batman's number, who had like you know, who could you know had was better than him in every way by weakening him, and then you know broke the bat. So I wonder if that has anything to do with what uh, Chip is talking about. So are they gonna quote unquote kill off Batman or break Batman or take Bruce Wayne out of the socks of the Bat costume for a little while? If they I- are. You know, hopefully you've been reading this run, you know. I 100% believe that that is happening. There's no way that they don't acknowledge probably one of the biggest bat stories in the last 30 years. You know what I mean? The way, and granted, I say this and, and it's no knock at like the Nightfall run. It wasn't the death of Superman. That took the country by storm. Um, but like, this is one of the biggest Batman stories of the nineties, still fondly looked upon by some people. And, uh, do I believe that they are going to retread that ground 30 years later wholeheartedly? Um, will it be Azrael taking up the mantle again? I'm wondering because that seems like a character that they've never really done well. It was in Gotham. He got blown up by a bazooka. It was pretty bad. Um, to do something with them, get them, get him some, you know, some cred on the screen somewhere. I don't know, but I do believe they're either going to break them or kill them. And then there's going to be an all out war for like, who's going to be the bat. Maybe it's Azrael. Maybe it's not. So I'm going to lean, um, to no, they're not going to do anything out of this story arc. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're going to see Bruce go away. I don't think they're going to have... I think there's just going to be no Batman. It's going to be a Batmanless Batman book for a couple months, right? Right. I don't see that, but go ahead. Well, you have the rest of the Bat family that could pick up the slack and, you know, uh, spoilers, I guess, for the current Chip Zdarsky Batman book. He's going to go find someone who previously was thought to be dead that they're not dead, right? Right, right. And that's going to tie into whatever they're doing with him on the big screen. Now, I think they need to move the pieces because, granted, when they did the the Batman's or the Superman stuff this year, they didn't so blatantly put Doomsday into whatever was going on with Batman or with Superman, mm-hmm. rather. Right. I feel as though they're going to blatantly put Bane back into whatever they end up doing with Batman for the 30th anniversary. So I think we're safe pun intended with failsafe until we see Bane pop up in the books. Now I know Bane allegedly is on the loose because he killed the Joker. I thought they ended up killing him somehow. Okay. Oh, Bane's Bane's daughter is out there. There you go. Which is the Joker's daughter done differently or something? Somehow, but I have a feeling in the 30th anniversary, it'll be Bane's daughter. Okay. So, right, so until we see Bane's daughter show up, I think we got nothing to worry about with the safety of Batman. Uh, his back is going to be just fine, Duke. 
<laughs> right. Though I do say if it could be anybody, it would be fail safe because, like I said, it's like it rhymes. Yeah. Bane did the bit where he let everybody out of Arkham and wore the bat down. And then he was like, now I waltz in. And while you're at your lowest, because you haven't slept in 10 days, um, you, you I'll, I'll take you out. Well, fail safe is like that version of Bane now. He's like, he's done everything better. So if he breaks him, that's why I'm leaning. Maybe it's not fail safe like this second, but maybe he's they're priming the pump with fail safe. But either way, it's happening. I'm not I'm not confident enough to put money on it, but uh, that's that's my thought process on it. Right. Speaking of the January 2023 solicitations, um, we do have good news. And that good news is that Saga is back. Uh, the way that Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples, uh, you know, had been doing it in the past and are doing it with the return is they're going to do their six issue arc and then they're going to take some time off and they're going to come back and rinse, repeat and so forth. Right. Mm-hmm. However, with the return of Saga issue 61, finally, the price has gone up to match the rest of the industry at three ninety nine. Right. So they. They held out as long as they could, Joe. They certainly did. And, and, you know, obviously the, you know, many years ago, the length of a comic book changed from 22 plus pages to 20 pages on the average. And most issues of uh, Saga were, you know, at least 24 pages of story. I think if you go back and look at the first issue back of this run, it's like almost like 30 pages of story, you know? Right, right. So you more than were getting what you were paying for, you know? When the average DC book is like five bucks, because the average DC book is a Batman book. Right. Um, but yeah, like, finally, after all this time, the pinch has been felt, and Saga's up to three ninety nine an issue. You know what that makes me think? I'm fine. I'm fine with that. Like, he did what he could. You know, he held it uh, as long as he could. You know, papers going up. Inflation. Like, I'm not going to get into all that. What makes me think is going to spin out of that is that our $3.99, our few $3.99 books at Marvel and DC are going to be $4.99 soon. Um, and then the card cover ones are going to be uh, five ninety nine instead of the four. You know what I mean? Everything's going to get bumped up if you get my meaning, be- because they're they're slipping and they don't need to. You know. Hmm. Um. But uh, like, I'm gr- I'm glad that Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples don't listen to the show because they could go up to four ninety nine and I'd still pay for it because that's how good Saga is. That, that's how, and people would buy it. Yeah, people would say I think some would drop off because there's you know you're, you're, there's few like oh that's too much but if you had gone two dollars I wouldn't have blinked to buy Saga. That's true. But just uh, you know buyer beware when you're out there buying your books just have an extra dollar plus tax you know when you go pick up your stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, another story that came across the wire uh, as we were getting ready to record here uh, that starting. Uh, in 2023, uh, you will be able to stream episodes of the Doctor Who on Disney Plus. Yes. Um, now I was. I think this is really cool because I don't even know where. I think they're streaming on Hulu all the uh, the new Who, as the kids call it, mm-hmm. um, from 2005, 2006 to present. So I guess that's all going over there. But if they get classic. 
I don't know when I'll watch anything for the regular show here because <laughs> I will be watching all uh, uh, classic Doctor Who and new Doctor Who at the at the drop of a hat. But I think that's really cool. Uh, I, people are like, oh, well, how come it's not going to be on BBC America or whatever? So I'm like, if anybody's watched BBC America lately, there are no British shows on there anymore. Like they kind of went, no, we're going to not do that. They have whole like half day blocks of Star Trek, the next generation. <laughs> I'm like, so I don't care. Really. The only thing that's left is Doctor Who on BBC America and, a, and nature shows with uh, Attenborough. He narrating a ton of them. So I'm like, okay, it's going over to Disney. I already have Disney plus, so I don't care if they're going to drop it weekly, the new episodes, whatever. I, I'm f- I'm fine with that. Good for it. People could add it. Maybe Marvel will buy Doctor Who some somehow, and he could be in the Marvel universe too. Um, I don't mind it. Uh, and the fact that they updated the Doctor Who logo for the 60th anniversary and all this to look like the the logo of the fourth doctor's run makes me so happy. So it's just like nostalgic. Um, all they had to do is put that logo up. And I was like, whatever you do, you want to put that on like some weird streaming site that I have to pay for. I'm heading over as I know you will Joe to get your fix of doctor who when it's new episodes every week. Well, um, you know, obviously, uh, I already have Disney Plus. If they do offer a plan where I can make sure that Doctor <laughs> Who isn't on there, I will gladly pay more for that. Right. Um, it is saying that it's going to be late 2023, and it is saying as part of the press release um, that it says, we're excited by the opportunity. Ooh, There's that word again. To bring new seasons of this beloved franchise exclusively to Disney Plus. Um, so on and so forth. I guess it's going to be on Disney Plus, except if you're in the UK or Ireland, because whatever the rights there are, right? Because right? they're just owned by BBC America, and that's free over there. So yes, um, no definitive information of how much of the old stuff is going up. Right, that I couldn't find anywhere. Right, but it is definitely just saying uh, new episodes of Doctor Who will return November 2023 to coincide with the 60th anniversary and will premiere exclusively on BBC in UK and Ireland, Disney plus everywhere else. Right. And then, so BBC America, there'll be three specials, which we'll get to at the end of the show. When we talk about uh, Dr. Who there'll be three specials next year that are already filmed, I guess. And those will still be on BBC America, apparently. And then the 60th anniversary, like you said, will be on there so i'm looking forward to it whatever i like i said you know how we always joke like when, a, when something crosses over we're already buying it. it's not like they're taking money out of my pocket so i'm looking at it as i buy disney plus like i said for all the wonderful marvel and star wars products um why not add doctor sure uh speaking of the distinguished competition across town uh dc as we record this uh, announced that they have new people to be leading the film, TV, and animation divisions, uh, specifically Peter Safran, uh, who was an agent for a good chunk of his career and then was producer on some of the better slash more successful recent DC projects, the first Shazam movie, the first Aquaman movie, the James Gunn Suicide Squad movie, and the other one being, of course, James Gunn. 
I um, so it's good to have, at the very least, someone like James Gunn in charge of this. There was rumors of this floating around on social media like Friday, Saturday. Mm-hmm. And people were just like, uh, like, oh, rumor is D- uh, Warner is going to make an announcement regarding, you know, the heads of this, right? And people were just like loudly and outly speculating that it was going to be James Gunn. And I'm like, James is on social media, and he's always the first one to kind of like poo-poo when there's a false rumor out there. Right. So I'm like, I wonder if I tweet at James Gunn if it's going to get any traction, you know? Right. But I go, you know what? I'm probably not the first one to, to do this. Hundreds, Todd. Hundreds of people tweeting at him. Are you the new head of DC Films? Are you now in charge of this? New, and not a single word. Not a single reply to any of them, right? Nary a word. And I'm like, okay, all right, I see what's going on here, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and this uh, comes out on the heels of a recent restructuring announcement uh, that they're looking to, like, change their budget by, like, three or four million dollars for the next, like, four to five years on Warner DC. And the announcement of the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special as well. Right, right. Well, I'll say this. Congratulations to Jimmy Pistol. Yes. Um, yeah, you well-deserved. I think you'll do well. Um, I think part of it probably had to do with, like, the timing of uh, the announcement for the Guardians of the Galaxy thing. They were either like, we're going to wait, like, you know, we're going to see if we can steal a little thunder from that. You know what I mean? Or at least uh, piggyback, you know? Right, whatever. Whatever the way they were thinking, that that's what it is. Now, um... Joe, I don't know. You didn't see Black Adam, right? No. Did you see Black Adam, Todd? I I have not. Have you heard any rumors about Black Adam? Um, Can we talk about that at the end of the show? Sure, sure. But I feel with certain things being announced, um, Jimmy... Uh, uh, James Gunn is actually going to be really good for certain characters. And I'm happy... uh, Because I know him better than uh, the other guy. Like I said, I barely even know his name. Um... I think it's in the right hands. I think DC is going to do well now after Peacemaker, after Suicide Squad. Like you said, wasn't my cup of tea to the best uh, Aquaman and Shazam, but people like them. I do think now DC's on the right track. This is at least the beginning of something. Now, obviously, this probably means the end of him doing anything at Marvel. Um, I don't know what his schedule looks like. I'm not sure how involved he was with Guardians of the Galaxy 3 that is on the schedule. But if Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is, uh, isn't officially his last Marvel thing, I'm absolutely certain that it will be um, his last thing at Marvel. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of verbiage in the Hollywood Reporter thing that came out. Um, you know, that he'll still be allowed to focus on his quote unquote creative side and he'll be able to occasionally hone a movie, you know, but I, I definitely think as the, the biggest problem with the DC movies is the tone of the movies, the thought of the movies, they were kind of all over the place. Right. Mm-hmm. And I know everyone's going to point to the Zack Snyder stuff. And I'll say two things about the Zack Snyder direction of the DC Universe. One, it wasn't all of the movies. And two, it was a bad direction. Right, right. I agree on that. Right. So if they can get these two guys, uh, you know, James Gunn, and again, guy who is working for $20 a day doing Tromeo and Juliet, (laughs) you know, 25 years ago. 
and now he's the co-CEO of DC Film, TV, and Animation at Warner Brothers Discovery, you know? Yes, and I would like to touch on one thing about Guardians of the Galaxy 3 while we're here. Yes. Um, Joe, it's coming out May 5th next year, so I think that movie's probably almost done. Oh, and that's is, right. Yes. And it is written by and directed by Jimmy Pistol. So I right. So I'm gonna guarantee that's probably his swan song at Marvel. Right. And I you know, no, you know, spoilers that I would know of because it's not out, but I do kind of remember him saying that this will probably be the end of like Guardians for him. No, will if I remember correctly, will be the end of Guardians for him and maybe change the Guardians as we know it forever, Joe. So, And I know, a, you know, we had gotten the teases from San Diego now that, like, you're jogging my memory. And I forget the actor's name, but they played Merv uh, in Peacemaker. Right. They're playing the high evolutionary in Guardians 3. Right. So, again, you know, it's it's got his touches, it's got his people, it's going to have his sensibilities. And if they could just kind of harness or streamline some of that for the DC movies, there are movie podcasts that I listen to. Even though I don't get a chance to watch a lot of movies, I still listen to movie podcasts. Mm-hmm. And there are people who are, like, big time... And again, I hate to say the word movie snobs, but in their mind, all comic book movies are Marvel movies. Oh, I get, no, I get you. Right. And they get so frustrated as to why they don't realize that it's the James Gunn, quote unquote, Marvel movies are the ones they like the most. Okay, I guess. But like, it's know. but it's not Marvel movies. It's Guardians of the Galaxy. It's the Suicide Squad movie, it's, you know, whatever, they think Suicide Squad is a Marvel movie just like Guardians of the Galaxy is a Marvel movie. I know, I get what you mean. It's kind of like the way, you know, uh, tissues are Kleenex to everybody. It's like, yes. oh, there's no other... If you have a tissue, it's Kleenex. If you have a superhero movie, it's Marvel. Yeah. But I get you. He puts the flair on it, and um, I, I like a lot of what he's done. Peacemaker was fantastic and i know between the two of us there's like seven projects that we would like to see james uh, james gunn do at dc and like right off the top of my head if, if you agree like just justice league international in any way shape or form and or secret sex just do that and we'd be happy men listen i i'm good with anything mm-hmm. I, I you know we joke around you say jimmy pistol mm-hmm. It's not another Jimmy kind of taking his shot today. Oh, oh. Joe, that's not a joke. Me freaking out. If they did, oh, he was did he was he was he was giving James Gunn a little bit of a lather, you know. And James Gunn was like, "Yeah, buddy, I'm a fan." You know what I mean? And Jimmy today was online like, if there's anybody who's perfect for it, it's Uh my boy Jimmy Pistol. Right. Joe, if that happens and they (laughs) redeem the thing that Matt LeBlanc ruined. The Lost in Space franchise? What? No. Remember, he was producer of the Jonah Hex movie. I know. (laughs) Okay. But no, I know. I just figured I'd explain it for people. But yeah, uh. You know what? Number one with a bullet, no pun, well, pun intended, Jonah Hex, bought, written by Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray, 
oh my god, just I have 70 storyboards they can use. So, <laughs> 70 sto- 71 actually. I'm sorry. There's an extra long movie in there too. Uh, and I'll, I'll say this, you're thinking big, I'm thinking small. Give me, even though I never saw it, give me an HBO Max Deadwood style Jonah Hex TV show. Oh, that's what I mean. TV show. Oh, okay. 70 issues. There's storyboards for 70 issues. And then that original hardcover, which was six issues, is one long TV movie. There you go. You know, and it just just run run that. You know, we did, you know, that Todd and Joe have issues. You could just we could put those on the end of every episode. Right. You know, we'll get we'll get in touch with, with Jimmy Palmiotti. I think I think we've got it. We've got our in here, Joe. All right. Oh, I'm excited. Don't do this to me, Todd. I'm trying to fill your life with hope. You know. Oh, phew. it'll probably take 14 months to get that made anyway. So, but anyway. Ask not for whom the Rob trolls. The Rob trolls for thee. And now, the Rob watch. Well, one more thing, Todd, that's coming out in May of 2023, and that is the Rob's next project. Mm. Because what would this show be without checking in on how the Rob is doing, right? Uh, We'd be nothing, Joe. So he posted up on his social media, uh, in the off chance that convention promoters read or catch this, many have been very generous in contacting me about shows, so this could be a good connector. I'm not doing any shows for the foreseeable future. I decline very generous offers, and uh, I declined very generous offers to attend Baltimore, Los Angeles, and Dallas months ago, um, uh, along with many others going into 2023. In all honesty, I'm seriously burned out from the travel, and I'm looking forward to staying home for the foreseeable future. Uh, I am likely to be seen shopping in San Diego. Give his precise coordinates, please. Uh, maybe going in a professional capacity, but that feels like a year from now. I have Deadpool Batter Blood to complete for May 2023 and my new Hairborn series that I'm launching. Uh, so in one of the Brigade reprints that came out, there was a five-issue tease of Hairborn, and it essentially looks like what if the Rob did the crime syndicate. Um, right. Kind of like, uh, hey, let's take a little of the boys TV show and rub it up against the crime syndicate. Mm hmm. You know, uh, so it's not to say that the Rob is not working, you know, uh, he's got a four issue miniseries and at least one issue of a series that might see print in 2023. So those five to six issues of a comic book should tie him up for the next, like, as you mentioned, 12 to 14 months. Sure, and he'll probably work with another 22 anchors he's always wanted to work with, Joe. Right, and Todd, I'll say this. You know, I made a lot of statements on After Dark this week, mm-hmm. and I'm going to make this statement here on this episode. I got bit by uh, the, 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 the Snake Eyes book, right? Right. I got bit by the Archie Comics Shield book that, you know, failed after one. Like, the first issue wasn't even out, and he was already done with dealing with the Archie people because a retailer put out a variant cover that used promotional material that was already out there. But in the Rob's mind, it was a spoiler for the issue. Right. It was clown shoes. 
<laughs> so I bit on that. I ain't biting on this one. Oh, you learned. Oof. I, 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 sometimes I learn my lesson, Todd. It doesn't happen very often, but when I like when I do it, I like to draw attention to it, mm-hmm. shine a big light on it, and make sure everyone knows. So if by some chance, like a dope, I'm like, I'm adding a hairborn to my pull list. You can all come back and say, Chip, no. But it was too late. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, maybe we can get on his comp list, Joe. Well, if it's going to be published through Image, which it was previewed in an Image book, um, I think we will be. Oh, okay. I, right. Forgot. Um, mm-hmm. it's been a while since I used the image comps. Um, so yeah, we'll get comped and we could review it, you know? Yes. And then when it comes out on time, every time it'll be there. I may still track the solicitations versus release, but I definitely won't be buying it. How about that? No, that's fine. And I'm glad you've come to your senses. I listen, I lost one today, I gained one today, right? <laughs> right. You took an L and now you took a W. Right, so now I'm even. Yep. Uh so the Rob mentioned conventions, of course. He got a generous offer to go to Baltimore Comic Con, which is the big comic book convention this weekend. Um, and again, I know the me you know what? I was thinking about this the other day. Um, you know, we talked about Gilbert on After Dark. We're doing a lot of after dark talk here, but we talked about Gilbert Gottfried in After Dark and Norm MacDonald, right? Norm MacDonald mm-hmm. passed away tragically this year as well as Gilbert. How crazy of all the stuff that Norm did in his career, the thing that is probably going to be his lasting memory is that all the stars are here meme. Do you think so? Yes. I, I think Turd Ferguson is up there. Um. Well, he ain't getting... Uh, a cella or a zombie sailor figure, right? But I, there is not a a day that goes by on social media where I don't see someone either just completely tweeting out the meme of the all the stars are here or somehow altering it in their own way. At least like three times a day, I see it, and we do it all the time. So yeah, um, but that's the thing, man. Like when my kid's old enough, he's going to know more about Norm Macdonald than just that meme. Cause he knows that meme. He doesn't know what it's from, but he knows the meme. Cause it pops up on a whole bunch of other stuff, you know? Uh, but this is a stacked show. Uh, Franco of art and Franco is going to be there. Brett breeding, Dan Brereton, John Cassidy, Terry Dodson, Garth Ennis, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, Ron Garney, Mitch, Ger- Mitch Gerards, Tom King, Barry Kitson, Jim Lee, Kevin McGuire, Hapatu, Francis Manipool, Ron Mars, Frank Miller, Terry Moore, Louise and Walt Simonson, Jill Thompson, amongst others. Right. This is the show that you want to go to. If you want creators, if you like comics, there's a few media guests here, but no big name media guests. Jim Lee's here. Frank Miller's here. You know, some of the big guns that do some of the other big conventions. But Baltimore's not built around them being there, you know. Right. They're just on the guest list. They're going to be here, you know. And like Baltimore and I think Heroes Con are like the last two in Emerald City, let's say, that still kind of treat things that way, you know? There's one other one called Terrific Con in Connecticut. Okay. That's getting up there for me. 
by the way. They're, they're, they're building their brand. They're a relatively yeah. new convention. Yes, sir. Right. But they fall into that category of like the, the few holdouts as far as I'm concerned. And our, uh, our good buddy, the one who you always want to steal his art collection, is going Friday for one day. Um, because Halloween fell like the way it did this year, right? Screwed up a lot of like he he wanted to go, I wanted to go. And he's like, oh okay. And then like last week he called me. He's like, do you want to go Friday? I'm just going Friday. We'll go in for a day. The show starts late at like noon or one o'clock. We'll be out by seven, home by you know midnight or whatever. And I'm like, I've done that before, and I have no problem. But I overextended myself at New York Comic Con. <laughs> Sure. Um, so I'm not going. But of the names you didn't mention, Mike Dridgenberg is going to be there for one day. The guy who did uh, the, the, the the sound of her wings for Sandman. Okay. And I'm like that. And he's never he hasn't been like in America in 20 years. So I was like, oh, I want to go to this show. And this so and do you have this person who's leaving his house unattended on a Friday night? Um, which I'm not doing anything on Friday. Um. Did you give him explicit instructions to get something from him? No, um, he is definitely getting in line for him. But I don't know if he's going to sketch. But the the fact that he might do a death doodle would 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 kill me, and I wasn't there. Right. But uh, there's other people that I want to see, and like that Friday, I'm I keep juggling this Friday that I want to go, but I'm like I don't have the money, and I'm not broke. You know what I mean? But like it's. It's like, oh, okay, but if I do, I do. You know what I mean? I'm going with a stack. So, why? You want to go, Joe? No. You said you're off Friday. No, I'm using it to case that person's house. Oh, okay. I thought you said you were weren't doing anything Friday, and Matt, let's go. No, we could rob his house. That is true. Even though his All family right. might be there. So, yes. Uh, so, hey, well, uh, the, so the information about Baltimore will be in the show notes, of course. Um, if you're going there and you want to get a sketch uh, for Todd, let him know. Reach out to him on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can also check out all the information in the show notes here about the soon-to-be-named network, soon-to-be-named-network.com, soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com. Anytime any of the shows go live, uh, you can, of course, get them through whatever podcatcher that you're using, but as someone who does not trust a podcatcher, I trust the soon-to-be-named-network.com, whether it be this show that you're listening to, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, uh, At Odds with Wrestling, We Need Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, uh, Wings on Wings, um, Porch Talk, and then we have a bunch of, like, boutique one-off shows that appeared in the last couple weeks. Uh, we had sports talk that went up. Yeah. Uh, where uh, Marcus from Final Wrestling Place and Adam from Porch Talk uh, gushed about how good the Yankees are. Oh, that's right. Yep, that's right. Uh, what's yep. that thing called? A broom. What does a broom do, Joe? Um, a witch flies on it. Right. No, it sweeps. It oh. sweeps. That's what it does. <laughs> I'm not sure what that has to do with the, oh, the Yankees, that's right. Right. Um, listen, it was a very small window that they had there on a Thursday night, <laughs> or whatever it was. <laughs> right. Uh, but anytime any of these uh, folks, uh, anytime the shows in the soon-to-be-named network go live, or anytime anyone from the soon-to-be-named network goes on another show and they let me know, you can go find it over at soon-to-be-named-network.com. 
Uh, you can go check out our friends and the stuff that they're doing around the internet. Uh, Mike Sterling, West Coast retailer extraordinaire, his blog, ProgressiveRuin.com. Our friend Kevin, his blog, MathLibrary.com. Rick Williams, The Chop Shop, all those cool resin, glow-in-the-dark, sci-fi fantasy wrestling figures that he does. Uh, longtime listeners of the show, Jason Sandberg and Chris Runt, both put out self-published comic books. Jason Sandberg's Jupiter, Chris Runt's Battle Monsters. We have links that you can go and purchase those books directly from them. Uh, also, if you do not have a comic book shop in your area or you do not have a good comic book shop in your area, let our comic book shop be your comic book shop. Comics on the Green, we have their Facebook page linked up here. Uh, that's where Dave and the crew put up all the announcements, whenever the new books are in, whenever the new hot arrivals are in, whenever the pre-orders are getting ready to cut off for stuff that he thinks is going to be worth your while. Definitely check that out. Sign up for their mail order subscription service. Get books sent to you weekly, bi-weekly, or monthly. And if you do, there's a chance that you can get a sketch on that package from our good friend Becky, known Twitter hacker. Uh, you can go check out her social media <laughs> for prints and process and art and all the other stuff that she's done there. A lot of romance comic stuff these days, but still. Right. That's her bread and butter. It certainly is. Uh, so let's get into what we read from this past week, Todd. Where would you like to begin? I'm going to start with the book I was looking forward to most, which is Rogues number four, the final part of the uh, four-part Black Label miniseries in the oversized format. Written by Joshua Williamson, art by Leo Max. Um, basically, this runs down the end of uh, the Captain Cold and the rogues that he's he's brought to rob Gorilla City of their gold, and they're in the uh, vault with you know they use the mirror gun to to throw all the gold into the into the mirror universe, but now Mirror Master's dead, and uh, the rogues are trapped in the vault. With Gorilla Grodd's uh, child and uh, ape from Angel and the Apes in there because he kind of helped them. He came in through a secret door and they're like, well, we'll just take that. He's like, oh, no, because I'm going to run into, you know, the gorillas who are going to remember that this is here. So you guys are basically, you know, uh, in big trouble. So Captain Cold's like, well, we got the kid. We got Grodd's kid. To use his leverage, we'll just kill him if we have to. And Golden Glider's like, no, we're not doing that. You know what it is to, like, abuse a child. Um, you're the last person who'll do that. So basically, uh, Grodd demands that, like, him and Leonard have a, a talk. And they do. And from there, I don't want to say too much, but things do go sideways as heists, you know, s stories always do. And... It goes into who's going to survive, who doesn't. Uh, it surprised me who does, who didn't, who kind of did. Like, I don't want to give too much away. Everything about this, I was wondering what was going to happen. And I really, I, this was the best issue of the run as everything comes to a head. I do believe if they had condensed this to three issues, maybe two but definitely like if you had compacted this this would have been a perfect mini series i think they kind of kind of fluffed it out a little bit so uh i didn't stretch it out i didn't care for some parts of it but the ending they they stuck the landing as far as i was concerned yeah so you know i think we you know so this is a prestige format black label oversized four issue miniseries that took 
however seven months to come out, right? Right. Yep. So I had asked after the first issue, why did this need to be a black label book? Mm-hmm. And you said so they could swear. Right. And I ask now after it's over, did this need to be a black label book? Yes. Okay. Why couldn't this just have been like, let's say, an original graphic novel? Okay. Wait, okay. wait till it's done and just put it out that way. Well, okay. I see what you're saying, but I'm confused on what you're asking because I think it has to be a black label book because we lose some people along the way. So it can't be in proper continuity. But okay. could it have been a, a black label one shot oversized? Yes. Is that what you're asking me? No, no. So, okay. So, and listen, I hate to say this, but most black label stuff, and I say most black label stuff, is Batman stuff. Okay? Right. Is Human Target a black label book? Yes. Is Black Label an oversized book? That doesn't necessarily need to be it. I consider a Black Label book a book that's out of continuity. Now, Okay. But so that's I, I why. Fe- yeah, so I feel as though there's other stuff that gets printed that's kind of sort of loosely out of continuity. Mm-hmm. So my whole thing is this was good, but I feel as though they could have just told the story as this takes place in the future because everyone's old, right? Right. So it takes place in a nebulous future. So you just put this at the end of your existing flash run, and this is a possible uh, future story. And I'm picking nits on this only because, like, this was good, but I'm with you. They stuck the landing. Last issue was great. Everybody lined up exactly where it was supposed to line up. But it did feel as though they did pad this out to be four issues when it didn't really need to be. Right. And to come back to your... Why didn't we just say this is the the future, the the future of the flash run? Then you pigeonhole yourself. Okay. Suppose, you know, this, this, this issue takes place 20 years in the future. DC decides we want a new captain cold. We kill captain cold. And I know people come back from the dead, but that's yes. DC hates after like books, like Legion of superheroes, and other stuff where they would do future things and then they would acknowledge it in the future. You're like, we then we have to run the risk of now our books have to go with whatever you say in this book from the future. Or it will contradict. And they don't like to do that. And this becomes an out of continuity, whatever, whatever. And I'm, and I'm fine with that. And it comes down to our old rule. Be good and I don't care what you do. Be good and I don't care what you do. And and that's what they do in Black Label. A lot of times they just do good books that don't follow the rules of the, the continuity of the regular series. And that's why, to me, it's a Black Label book. And I'm fine with it. Mm-hmm. Didn't need to be oversized, though. I'll tell you that. Yeah, and that's, I, and that's the other thing that I'm thinking about is, like, maybe this couldn't have been oversized. But I like to support the rogues whenever they're in stuff. I like to support Captain Cold whenever he does things, you know? Mm-hmm. Um. But let's say that, like, this wasn't a swing and a miss, but this was, like, a, a double round and third. How about that? Right. This basically, you didn't you didn't lose the game, but it took you the, to win it in the ninth. 
Like you went extra innings that really weren't necessary because you were too busy putzing around, you know? That's right. Yep. A lot of baseball talk on the show. And neither one of us like baseball. That's right. This is yeah. sports talk too. <laughs> Let's not do that again. Right. Uh, so the other book that I know we both read that I was looking forward to coming out this week is Nightwing number 97, uh, written by Tom Taylor with art by Bruno Redondo. Um, you know, his entire run, Tom Taylor and Redondo's run on Nightwing has been one continuous story, but this is more or less the beginning of a new arc. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, so the Gotham police department now headed by Maggie Sawyer, formerly of the Metropolis police department, they have Bruno Marconi. Uh, and they're putting the squeeze on him, essentially saying, like, listen, you need to tell us everything that you know. Uh, Marconi is like, no, I don't need to. You know, Blockbuster's still in charge. He's going to break me out. And uh, they say, well, we, we're afraid that we have some bad news mm -hmm. in regards to Blockbuster. Um, no spoilers, I guess. Um, so... Uh, Marconi sings like a bird, but now they got to get him out of town. And, uh, you know, they're going to hold him up in Metropolis, but the problem is they still got to get him through Bloodhaven, through Gotham, on open road into Metropolis, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where things go awry, Dick and Barbara. And this is one of those things where it's Nightwing and Batgirl, but it just feels better to call them Dick and Barbara. Yes, I'll agree to that. You know, um, they're together. They're a couple in this. Um, they end up grabbing Marconi from possibly an inside job, trying to take him out before they get him to Metropolis. Uh, they hold him up in one of Batman's many, many safe houses that he has littered around the Gotham City area. And sadly for Marconi, at least, they pick one that has very thin walls. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a thing at the end, and I'll say I don't know who that is at the end of the page, but I really like this issue. You know, I've liked this run for the entirety of it, and, you know, I love these characters, and I love what Tom Taylor's doing with them. Right. You don't even recognize the name? I recognize the name, but I'm not sure what he's popped up in recently. Okay. Well, we'll yeah. discuss after this, because you're completely okay. off the mark on who that's supposed to be. Okay. Um. Uh, but I'm with you. I love this book. They're Dick and 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 Babs. You know what I mean? Um, the bit where uh, they have to move them to Metropolis and they bring in Renee Montoya to help. Renee Montoya, yes. and I'm like, that's fantastic. And he's like, it's uh, like I'm not gonna live. I'm not gonna live. And she's like, well, we're gonna take you to. You'll be in Gotham. You know what I mean? You'll be safe there. It's like, why would I be safer in Gotham? And he goes. She goes, sadly, we know how to keep scum alive in Gotham. Gotham. He goes, what makes you say that? He's like, because the Joker is still breathing. I was like, you're going to be safer in Gotham. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, just all around. Great dialogue. Like you said, the two of them and the thin ceilings and the fact that Batman may have safe houses just not just for safekeeping or hiding, just for brooding alone it was fantastic. But all in all, like great. And we're leading up to issue 100 with no like new number one in sight. I, I, I kind of like that, you know, yep. like kind of what they did with the flash and everything sticking to their guns and not restarting every two months. 
Yeah, Nightwing's kind of had a couple stops and starts, uh, renumberings and so forth. And I tell you, if this was a Marvel book, I know we talked about it on the show a couple weeks ago, but this being one of those one where we get the hundred and then someone would figure out what the legacy numbering is, right. and then we'd get like a four hundred or whatever it would be off of that, and then we would get a new number one shortly thereafter. Two thousand twenty three would be the year of multiple cash grabs for Nightwing. Yep, and they would all be like those three issues would all be way over five ninety nine. Yep. No. Uh, but this is a really good book. You know, we talk about it almost every month when it comes out. Uh, this is a great place to jump onto it if you've been uh, interested, you know? Yep. And, uh, you know, I, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago as well. The new DC Unlimited Plus whatever, where the books come out digitally that much quicker. Spend that time getting caught up on Nightwing until they get caught up to issue 97, you know? It's only there about a three-month turnaround, I think. Pretty much, I think. Yeah. So, you know, not a sponsor, but definitely check that out. There's a book worth going back into the archives, reading from the beginning of Tom Taylor's run and uh, becoming more aware of it, you know? Right. So uh, that is the uh, that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, if you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, however it is you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Todd is in the lead over me with five correct guesses. Right. Todd, looking at your slender read of a list... Uh, I am going to guess the book that you are most looking forward to coming out this week is Human Target number eight. Um, if I said no, would you call me a liar? Uh, yeah, it's definitely Human Target number eight. Right. I I only even go as far as to say that you're getting at least three copies of this book. Um, I will be getting two from our local retailer, and <laughs> I have one on its way on eBay. Well, there you go. That doesn't count as three correct guesses for me, just one. You know what? Maybe I'll have to start doing that, and you'll still lose, Joe. But uh, <laughs> I'm the Astros of picking <laughs> what you read next week. Oh, no. Um, I'm looking over your issue, too, and I may I may fumble this one, you know, using another baseball term. <laughs> Are you also looking forward to Human Target number eight? Yeah, Human Target number eight, definitely the one I'm most looking forward to. Uh, Thunderbolts is fun. Amazing Spider-Man just started a new storyline with the return of the Hobgoblin. Uh, I, we really liked Vanish number one. And if Human Target wasn't coming out this week, it would have been, uh, Vanish. But it is Human Target. I'm the same way. I mean, I'm pretty much going to tell you that Human Target's going to be your layup for the next, like, two months. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it would have to be. I don't know what it would be, you know? Um, but... That's that's kind of the way I go. And then we'll we'll start fresh at the beginning of the year. Yes, sir. Uh, so while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, and the current ongoing placement for Todd and Joe Have Issues, a.k.a. Todd and Joe Go Rogue, a.k.a. The Silver Standard, a.k.a. The Battle for Second Place. Everyone knows that The Flash has the best rogues gallery in all of comics. Todd thinks that Batman is the second best. I know that Spider-Man has the second best. 
We took the bottom of the barrel of each of their rogues galleries, put them together in a giant bracket, and over the course of this year, we've been having you, the listeners, vote on who moves on in the tournament. Uh, We are almost done with the Sweet 16, and this matchup was a bat-versus-bat villain, and Made of Wood Killer number two is moving on to the next round. Yes, he is. And again, just the way that the tournament shook up this time around, and I have been posting the bracket updated every week uh, in the post that goes up on Longbox Heroes on this. If you just want to kind of see what is left in the matchups, if you want to see who's going to be taken on who in the future matchups. So this week, uh, the head-to-head is Spider-Side, famed villain of the Clone Saga, taking on Kraven number two. Uh, there's been multiple people to take on the Craven moniker. Even Craven himself has come back to take his monitor moniker back from his dopey kids. But mm. this is the one that went on to become a movie producer. Isn't there like a hundred Cravens? Um, if we count the female ones that just call themselves Craven, there's at least six. Right, but wasn't there a Nick Spencer storyline where he had a hundred le- illegitimate kids, and then he like killed them, had them all kill each other off? Uh, that, that sounds right, but I'm not 100% sure. Right, I'm just saying, there's like a billion Craven offs. But anyway. That being said, um, who should you go for? Who should you pick on this one? Uh, again, I'll say let this one be a tie so they both move on to the next round. We haven't had a tie yet. Always trying to work the system, Joe. That's right. It's a system that we created, so of course I'm trying to work it. You know. Right, right. You seem like you out. You seem like you're trying to stage a coup in this Todd and Joe have issues. <laughs> yeah, it's staging a coup amongst two people. Well, that's all it takes. I guess. Uh, but like I said, the post uh, and the poll will be up uh, Wednesday at noon. So make sure you vote, and we'll talk about the results here next week. Uh, while you're over also at longboxheroes.com, be sure. Um, well, no, I think we're like, what, seven weeks into the season? So yeah. it's way too late to even look at these sort of things now, right? Yeah, I mean, you, you would be way out of like, you'd be like, I don't know how many picks out, you know? Right, but I'll say this. Uh, if you haven't picked, start now and see if you could beat me. Uh, I'm currently <laughs> on 32nd place. I went up one from last week. And Todd's in 10th place. He's starting to slip a little bit there. Right, but that's only so I can surge, baby. Oh, is that the reason why? Yep, I know what I'm doing. It's all about theatrics, Joe. Mm-hmm. Got to make a show out of it all, right? Mm-hmm. It's entertainment. Yes. So, Todd, did we have any uh, art attacks this week? Yes, we had a couple. Um, from Jeremy Dennis, uh, my commission, for, uh, this Spider-Man from, and I, I'm going to try and do the name respectively. His name is Kanan Kehaka. Uh, obviously, like I said, like a Native American sounding name. Um, it's the first Marvel character that Jeremy's had done. And the new ad- addition to his Superman sketchbook, uh, Superman by KCW Kohler. Um, two really nice pieces. Um, so I really like all that. And now that I look at it, he has Thomas Deer on the book. So that might be his the name he uses in you know when he's working for a bunch of companies as it is, but those are really nice pieces. Anytime you have a Superman, like here's two classic things that I can always think of. uh, Superman, like ripping open the shirt to reveal the S and Spider-Man and stink lines. 
So two good things. Listen, Todd, you're reading from my page in the script because I was about to say the same things. <laughs> I know where you're going. If you again, if you're getting a if you're getting a piece of Superman, he's either popping his top or he's lifting something big. Mm-hmm. And if you're getting a shot of Spider Man, he's either slinging some webs or stinking some lines. You know. The only other one that I'll give you for the Spider Man. Yes. Um, for the Superman is him flying. That's that's always a good one. Okay. But for for Spider Man, the half Peter Parker, half Spider Man face is always a go to. So you get the two characters in one. But if typically when they would draw him like that in the comic books with the half face, oh, he always had true. the stink lines as well. Right on the one side, especially. Yes. Uh, so thank you for sharing those. What else we got? Oh, um, we also have from. Uh, a certain bassist, uh, Mang Matt, um, excuse me, Annie the Kitty, the only person I'll go to see a movie and say groovy is Groovy B- Bruce. You should know better. And she drew a uh, failed Michael Myers uh, mashup and Michael Myers from Halloween and uh, Austin Powers. And that Michael Myers movie you were in sucked. Me never said no, he never said groovy or do I make you horny baby once the entire time because said bassist uh, was an extra in the new uh, Halloween movie. So I yes, think that's he w- re- but, yes, he was very proud of that fact. Yep. And I think this is funny, like, you know, that she went for it. And you know what? She could scratch failed out of there. She could scratch failed Michael uh, Myers mashup. I think, you know, semi failed mashup would be the way to go. <laughs> I would say uh, A for effort, huh? Yep. So, and finally, the you know the best art attack I saved for last was me. Uh, it was the last piece that I overextended myself at New York Comic Con, a Jonah Hex by the extremely talented uh, Chris Schweizweiser. It uh, passed my expectation by a country mile with the town and the mountains in the background. Um, also, and I'll say this: it's in the tweet, but I wholeheartedly uh, do it. Chris is one of the nicest creators you will ever meet he puts up with my stuff so you don't have to bleep it out joe (laughs) while i talk to him and he's always thankful and he's always appreciative um and that piece just crushed it joe crushed it uh i agree um i don't know what he uses to color okay I believe watercolors. Because- okay, I was going to say, I'm going to guess watercolors because that is something I could never do in a million years. The way that he has the mountains blended, right? Mm-hmm. With the colors to add so much depth to everything. Yep. But then for the coloring of Jonah himself with the same watercolors, looks like it's a completely different coloring process. Right, and he doesn't, and he could have lost them in the colors. You know what I mean? Because it's all yes, it's all earth tones, if you will. I guess that's the best. Co- and the other thing that I love is how he fades out with the mountains. To like you said, like he's doing the de- like uh, putting depth perception in the yes. in the piece, and then when you get to the, like the second mountain range, it's like I don't know if it's cloudy or you just having trouble see. You get what I'm saying? It's but it's it definitely makes it feel like there's a, like depth in this piece right and as todd mentioned chris is a great guy he's got an art book that you could purchase uh he's got a patreon where he has does different levels of different art projects that you can get in on uh so if you see his stuff and you really enjoy his stuff 
uh, definitely support what he is doing. You know, he's one of yes. those guys where the next time that I see his name attached to a book that's coming out, I'm buying it. And I don't rare. I rarely uh, buy something for the artist. We're more of a writer type guy, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, if he's the artist and it's someone that I don't know is the writer, I'm probably going to buy it for Chris's work uh, first and the writer second, you know. Me too, Joe. Yeah. So, again, thanks uh, to everyone who got art, shared art, or produced the art that was included in this segment. Um, Lastly, of course, you can head over to, while you're at longboxheroes.com, you can head over to our store. I think it's easier to access just at longboxheroes.com slash store. Uh, You can get shirts and pins and stickers with our fancy logo on them. You can head over to our Public store as the 35% off sale is going on now until Sunday. Uh, You can get in designs inspired by this show, After Dark, Add-Ons with Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, Hit My Music on anything and everything from cell phone covers to notebooks. You could also sign up for our Patreon. As little as a dollar a month is going to give you two bonus shows a month. Uh, when I remember to put them out, it's the first time that I forgot. It was a busy weekend. Yep. Um, Piro Mounties, where we're looking at the films of Mark Piro, uh, independent filmmaker uh, responsible for last year's movie that we discussed, A Polish Vampire in Burbank, and previewing the past, where we look at 30 years ago this month's previews catalog. The Patreon also has full scans of those previews catalogs that we're going to be talking about. High-quality, professional-grade scans of those previews. Uh, Also, at the $5 level, you're going to get those bonus shows two weeks before everyone else, and you're also going to get uh, After Dark two days before everyone else. And I have to get on the, uh, the camera guy again. He's been slacking, Joe, so... To do those uh, previewing the past books. Oh, yes, yes. We're getting toward the end of the list here. I think we'll, I only got two months left in my uh, hopper here, you know? Right. I believe he has a month or so on flash drive, but mm. then he's got to get cracking. If only he could put them in the Dropbox and I could just grab them that way. Yeah, I, yeah we'll discuss. All right. Uh, so another way that you can help us out, support the show, is uh, making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon affiliate link does not cost you anything extra. They, Amazon, call it an advertising fee. I call it a thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. Yeah. Some of the notable purchases for the Amazon click-through this past week include La Roca Pose Lipicar Triple Repair Moisturizing Body Cream. Soft and silky. Well, speaking of which, somebody also purchased Tinzeet three-pack, high-waisted leggings, buttery soft. Ooh, yeah, but it's the color buttery soft black, which I think is the official color of my t-shirts. Mm. Well, it's when I drip butter from eating clams on them. So, Did we talk about clams being too much work? Um, Off mic, I believe we did. Was that last it, week? That was last week, and it got heated, Joe. Okay. Uh, Somebody also purchased a Super Mario Maze game. Uh, It's actually something that came up on, like, my... uh, I don't want to say save searches. It was one of those things I got an alert for because there was a price drop on it. And I might be getting it from my kid. Um, My little nephew's a little too young for it, but my kid will get a kick out of it. 
And uh, somebody also purchased the Blu-ray Collector's Edition of Terrifier 2. I don't know that movie. Terrifier is uh, Terrifier 2 is a horror movie making the rounds currently. Um, Terrifier 1 was like a direct-to-DVD home release sort of thing. The sequel kind of amps things up a little bit, maybe adds a little bit more Freddy Krueger into the lead character. Um, and it's... Even though it has a home release, it's adding more and more screens every week. It's doing really good um, box office for essentially a direct-to-DVD, direct-to-home release movie that got a small theatrical release. And uh, so much so that, like, it's been on my radar for a while, but I'm going to make a point here uh, sometime, maybe this weekend, fingers crossed, to watch uh, Terrifier 1 and 2. Oh, cool. It sounds like... uh... You know, like sounds like Clerks Three to me. I don't know. Hmm. A little movie that could, you know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Clerks Three is a little movie that shouldn't have. Okay. Um. But finally, we have a bunch of uh, comics that someone, you know, when they attach their comicsology to our click through. Um. We have Rooster Fighter, a volume two, manga pre order. Uh. Also, or is that per order? It's it's a manga and it's the pre-order it comes out next month, but uh, they were nice enough to pre-order it through our click through. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, mindset number four, Batman the Night number ten, Batman Superman World's Finest, Batman One Bad Day number one, the Penguin, the aforementioned Rogues number four from the miniseries that we did. Uh, talked about and finally um someone who has wonderful taste in trade paperbacks all-star western volume one guns in gotham by jimmy palmiotti justin gray and maura tat possibly to be an hbo max show someday who knows <laughs> um but thank you i really hope you enjoy that uh, I, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb and say the person that purchased that is definitely, we're going to see that pop up, uh, volumes two, two, three, four, five, and whatever. Uh, you know, I can't, I can't see someone reading that and not enjoying it. Right. Yep. Definitely looks beautiful. Reads, reads, reads well, you know, am I putting a lot of pressure on someone possibly? Yeah, but it's good. You know, no pressure, no diamonds, Joe. Yeah. So I think that's it. Let's get in some TV talk. Sure. Where do you want to start? Well, uh, let's start with uh, Andor, since that was the uh, oldest thing, I guess. Okay. Um, so this is the fallout of the big heist, right? Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and or, you know, so, you know, the, the story is kind of told a little bit all over the place and I'll just say this, uh, you know, so Andor goes home, he's coming to get, uh, his adoptive mother and, uh, his malfunctioning stuttering robot <laughs> right. and he's going to save them. He's going to take them off the planet. He's like, listen, I got money. I got paid. We can go anywhere we want. Let's go. Let's get out of here. And the mom pretty much tells him why they can't, why he, she can't go with him, right? She needs to stand their ground because, of course, everyone's still going to be looking for him regardless. Right. She's almost part of the. She believes in a whatever the rebellion will be. You know what I mean? Yes. And uh, I will say the line that I love that she, he uses, he's like, we can run, we can run away far from where the Empire is. And she's like, there's nowhere you can run far enough. 
nowhere. And I'm like, she ain't wrong, Joe. Well, so the Empire, uh, you know, they're making a big performative thing that they're tightening their grip now after what had happened, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they're, they're quadrupling the tribute tax for any sort of place that was seen aiding or abetting what was happening. They're going to be cracking down on any sort of celebrations or festivals in the case that they're used for cover in whatever's going on, right? Right, and they're going to lengthen any sentences you might get for any crime. Right, they're they're really tightening their grip, again, as mentioned, um, but that lead, that Deidre, who from the beginning has been like, I know what the rebels are up to. This is what they want us to do. They wanted us to tighten their grip so that they could, you know, this has been their plan the whole time. So she tells one of her subordinates to go and pull like the last two years of records of anything that's been stolen, anything that's been misplaced, anything that's anything that could possibly be used in like aerodynamics, space travel, starfaring, anything like that. And don't tell anyone that you're doing it. Okay. So she, uh, you know, obviously everyone in the empire speaks cause they're all a bunch of narcs word gets out. And then like the head, muckety muck guy um he finds out about it and he kind of says to her is like you're doing good but watch your back because like now because you're kind of going into business for yourself staging a coup within the empire <laughs> right um you know people are going to be taking you down because they're going to think that you're kind of going against the way of what emperor palpatine wants done right Right. I see it more as because she usurped the guy that was that was in charge of whatever she was looking into. And he's like, he's like, you stay in your lane and I'll do mine. But she used the rules to what's the word I want to look for when she took it to her superior. He's like, I got this. And the guy who she usurped was like, well, she shouldn't have done that. She's like, well, by using these rules that you set up, I was able to do it. And he's like, yes, you were. And I wish more people took, you know, incentives. That's great. And when she walks away, she's like, he's basically telling watch out for that guy. Because you just stepped on him going up the ladder. And he is going to murder you for it. Right. Um, that's kind of the way I took it. Anyway, go ahead. And then I guess in what would be our B plot, our F plot, is that Cyril, thanks to a good Uncle Harlow, who <laughs> I'm torn do I want to see Uncle Harlow or just do do I want him to be spoken of at legend? Um, I think he's going to be one that you will never uh, meet your expectations if you do. Um, so he gets a job um, at the Bureau of Standards and whatever, right? Right. He essentially just gets a desk job. He um, is the bureaucracy. Yes, but obviously he knows he could do so much more. Yep. I need to get Cyril and Deidre in the room to, in a room together. Uh, this is my take on that. They put him and he's broken as far as I'm concerned because he's sitting in that he's hit, sitting in that Star Wars round cubicle just looking over fuel purities and there's a part of me that says something's going to come across his desk that he's going to realize and that's how he's going to or uh uh, what's her face is going to find something and go to see him because he's in charge of whatever. And that's where they're going to get together. He's going to see something that he puts, you know, 
Like, hey, I'm going to report this because he's a narc, too, you know? Right. And then I guess the other thing is, um, you know, Mon Mothma uh, has her uh, discussion with Luthen. Luthen's all happy. Like, he doesn't know exactly what happened, but he knows that, like, this is, like, the first shot for the rebellion against the Empire and Mon Mothma because she's the one kind of hanging it out there, making the sacrifices, maybe fronting some of the money for Luthen to do all the things that he's doing. Right. Uh, she's like, well, I didn't know we were going to do this. I didn't know people were going to lose their lives. And he's like, eh, people are going to lose their lives. Like, this is kind of on you putting your head in the sand and not realizing that this is what's going to happen with the rebellion, you know? And this is one of my two favorite scenes in this in this episode is when he when she goes to see him. And his name, his actual real name, I think, is Ral or whatever. But we're gonna call him Luthen because I get confused with these espionage names. But she comes to see him, and he's doing the the show, if you will, you know, the one where he does the fla- the flaring arms, the flailing arms, and he's smiling. And because they shut the door, and the driver, who's so a spy, as they say, is outside. And whenever he turns towards her, he's like smiling, but he's still talking to her like he's angry. And then he would turn to his back to the windows and he'd break character and he'd just be like, and I'm like, this is shot so, so well. And I love the idea of how it's done. And then to, to like, to compare it to the scene where Mon Mothma's at the party with all the people she hates and she brings in the banker and she tries to talk to him and they have to smile the whole time. And she goes down the list and they're both playing, like figuring each other out. She's like, Oh, I want you to do this for me, but I may be a little farther from where you lean politically. And she's trying to tell him I'm with the rebellion and and he's like, I don't know if, you know, I might lean too far away from you because you're with these people and I lean more towards like anti-empire. And they're like, and they both kind of like figure it out the whole time, trying not to like look like they're having a good time while the husband, I'm like, this is all brilliant to me. This is the stuff I love. Well written, well uh, acted and well directed. I just thought this was like... People, like I say, find it boring, but I love it. So so I liked this scene. This is the only scene so far this season that I've liked of Mon Mothma. Um, again, she just, you know, th- this is the first time that she showed like a little bit of chutzpah, a little bit of backbone, a little bit of something, you know? Moxie, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I- I'm still on Team Empire with this. I, I want to get Deidre and Cyril together. I think those two crazy kids could stomp out this rebellion if they just get on the same page, you know? Yep. And then, like, Andor, he decides he leaves his, his, his mother, you know, and he goes and he goes to have a good time on that planet. And he's just got his money hidden above the shower. And he goes out to get the green ones, I think, Joe. I don't know what. Something. And this is the brilliance of this show for me now is, you know, how like people like you, you like the empire and I get, it's like the way I like Dr. Doom. I don't believe in, you know, iron fist dictators, but they're, they're fun to watch in fiction. And like the, the, the empire to me has always been about blowing up planets and fighting the, the rebels with laser guns on planets with little teddy bears. So there's no, nothing I can grasp my head around, but, at the end, when they become the true fascists and they hassle Andor for just sweating, 
Yes. And they end up like, and they're chasing someone. He's like, listen, I am just going in there to buy some stuff. And he's like, up against the wall or I will kill you. And then they bring in the robot, the sassy robot. Uh, that's not sassy yet. And it almost kills him because it's got him hanging up against the wall. And then he goes to court and they just shut him down. And they're like six years for walking fast and sweating. And I'm like, because they raised the, the, the sentences all because of something Andor did. So he's kind of hoisted by his own petard, but all this takes the, makes the empire not cool anymore to me. It makes me seethe because I hate I hate, hate, hate authority, Joe. <laughs> hate it with a passion. So uh, I really like the ending of this episode. Yeah, this was a really good episode. Um, you know, like I said, it, the, the stories were kind of told all, all together, like all over the place a little bit, but it had to be to kind of get everything together. Um, yeah, you make a good point in regards to uh, all of that that you mentioned there. Uh, and again, seeing the droid that will later become his friend we know that it's his friend but andor doesn't know that it's his friend um well we don't know if that one is it but all these droids are the same come on todd oh come on are you saying all droids look alike these droids look alike okay um though i do don't i do think we're not going to see uh queso for a little bit yet i know i think there's just i think this is the classic disney plus tease you know what I mean? Like, oh, we're getting we're getting the robot. Not yet. Right. Slow down. Just reminding you that we're getting to the robot. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, let's get over to Stargirl, and we'll save uh, your show for last, right? Sure. Why not? Uh, so is this us being introduced for the first time to Todd Rice? I know he had been discussed, but I think this is the first time that we actually see him. Yes. It was only mentioned because the, sh- the episode starts off when... Uh, Jenny leaves the the foster home or whatever, and we jump back to that time, and we're seeing uh, Todd for the first time at the exact same time she's getting the ring. Right. So, um, you know, we get that all in the the flashback because that was like way last season, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Todd gets picked up by the police because the police were tipped off by Helix, which is where Jenny was before. They Helix are going to run some experiments on. Todd and this is where Mr. Bones and the nurses that wear the Perdegaton outfits are. Um, now you had predicted that the shadowy person behind everything was Mr. Bones, but the fact that we get Mr. Bones here, are you still hanging your hat on that one? No. Now I'm thinking it's someone who Mr. Bones had trapped like Todd. And that's why he's making the puzzle with the skull. And he later on in this episode, he smashes it. You know what I mean? Right. He hates Mr. Bones. So we get back to that storyline because our, I guess I'm, our main storyline is uh, everyone acting normal while Beth lines everything up to do a blackout bomb, give a whole um, power outage throughout the entire city. So everyone can go take out all of the cameras that whoever is behind all of this uh, can no longer keep tabs on them. Uh, we get to see a little bit more of Rex maybe letting, uh, being mis- uh, being our man all the time, starting to get to him a little bit. He might he- have our man roid rage. Yes, he. I need to flex, he says at one point. <laughs> I love it. I love it. He flexes. I want to see him flex himself right out of frame. Yes. 
Um, so while all that's going on, of course, they don't get all the cameras, but they get enough to upset the guy who is watching them. So it limits how, where they are and what they could watch, uh, what he could watch the rest of the JSA kids do. Um, the shade reappears and he attempts to grab Courtney, but also grabs Pat as well, uh, takes them to meet up with Jenny, who is underneath. The Helix thing, as she... We learn from the previous Eclipso thing when Jenny used her ring, her Green Lantern ring, on, like, the black goop that was around. Yeah. Uh, the black goop infected her ring. And, of course, Luke Wilson gets to make a chocolate and peanut butter joke uh, in regards <laughs> to who infected what and the what now. Right. Uh, but in doing so, in attempting to expel the darkness from her ring in attempting to save Todd uh, from whatever experiments the Helix people are doing on him, it looks as though Shade and Pat get sucked into the Shadow Realm. Yes. And that's how the episode ends. Yeah. Um, I will say this. I thought this episode was 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 short. It was definitely, I watched it, you know, on the CW. So it was definitely heavy commercial-laden. It feels like this was the one that they padded with commercials, and it just felt like the show was over in a heartbeat. And on top of that, Wildcat got thrown out of her house because she was doing stuff at night. But uh, just all around, I was like, oh, okay, this this episode was all right. And uh, Joel McHale just doing the voiceover because he's busy, you know, <laughs> probably doing another show at this time somewhere. Yes, so. Joel McHale literally phoning in his appearance. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, and we do get the bit with um, Jakeem. And Zeke, where Jakeem uses his, uses the Thunderbolt, and the wish is to bring to them every camera who ever killed the gambler ever touched. So, in my mind, yes. the person who's doing this did not kill the gambler. Right. Because all those cameras would have appeared, unless he never touched them because he had somebody else do it. Because the killer has many names, Joe. Right. And then, so I think, okay, so it would appear as though the killer probably is like someone of Cobra, right? Right. Because they all have many names and they're just a bunch of underlings and they were probably the ones that were out doing whatever it was. But Zeke tells Jakeem, he kind of gives him like a little bit of guidance in how the wishes need to work. Right, because his grandma played Dungeons and Dragons. Right. She was the top Dungeons and Dragon player in like three counties, which isn't how Dungeons and Dragons players are ranked. They are, I think, back in in that time, Joe. Uh huh. Uh, anywho, in that regard, he kind of tells uh, Zeke tells Jakeem that whatever he wishes, he has to believe in it. Mm -hmm. He has to feel it in his heart to make it a real wish. Yep. And I think this is going to be the, you know, we're going to finally get one more wish, probably the next episode, because this was a two-parter, where Jakeem finally gets the correct verbiage the right way, and we find out who the killer is. Right. He's going to put some heart into it, Joe. Yes. All around an okay episode. Not great, yeah. not terrible. As you mentioned, not a light episode, but a quick episode, only because it was part one of two. I feel as though if we watched the two episodes together, we'd get a little bit more. Um, I'm happy there was. they only mentioned them once. There was no icicle in this episode. Oh, yeah, that's true. I'll give you that. Though I will take the grandmother and grandfather all day. Yes. You know? 
I say kill the icicle so that we get the grandparents even angrier. Oh, yes. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right, Todd. Last but not least, I didn't go see Black Adam this weekend, but I did spend an hour and a half of my day watching The Power of the Doctor. The Power! (laughs) So, uh, basically, this is the last 13th Doctor story. Um, It starts out with the Doctor and her companion, um, what's her name? Uh, Yasmin um, and Dan. trying to stop a Cyberman, the, uh, the, the Cybermasters, actually, attack on this space bullet train. Um, they're stealing something, um, and they have, they have the plan. They get dropped in. Dan almost gets knocked out into space with a hole in his helmet, um, but they end up saving a bunch of the people. But the, uh, master, the Cybermasters get away with what they were there to steal, and it looks like it was a little girl. And the doctor's like, well, I can follow whatever they did. Um, so they kind of do that. Um, but along the way, they end up getting hijacked to Earth because uh, Kate, who's the head of unit, is like, you have to come here because um, something's going on. And, and t- on top of that, a Dalek's trying to contact her saying like, hey, the Daleks are up to no good. I'm I'm turning traitor. Uh so come find me and I'll give you all the information. And obviously the doctor does not trust um, any of them. Uh, so while that's going on, the doctor's former companions from all the way back in the eighties, um, Tegan and Ace are investigating the abduction of several seismologists. And Tegan ends up getting a gift from the doctor who hasn't talked to her in years. And she gets this little, little Russian doll thing. Um, so she's like, oh, okay, like we have and to. And isn't, and not to interrupt, isn't there a bit where there's 15 different, like, super rare paintings that are also missing as well? Uh, yes, there's the paintings are missing, and we end up finding out that they all have the pick, they all have Rasputin's face on them because there's something going on in 19, I'm not sure what year. 1916. 16. Um, and Rasputin's talking to like the czar and everything like go away and I'll handle your ice palace, go on vacation for a little bit. So we end up finding out that the, uh, that, uh, Rasputin, well, I knew it when he, when we saw him in the first, he was the master. So he's doing Machiavellian things, you know, back in time. And, uh, so they end up going to unit and they find this and she tells everybody that's the, the master. And they're like, okay, so he's on the loose again. And they end up finding out that she's a woman, which I always love when the old companions find out that that could could happen. Um, so they end up finding that there's a planet in space in 1916. They go back and find that the little girl is on that planet that the Cybermen stole. But she's not. She's actually a, a living power source that'll do an illusion to hide whatever... It is. So they're like, okay, but we still want to save it because you're a living, thinking being. Um, and they get attacked by Cybermen. Um, and, oh, my God, this this is all over the place for an episode. But I loved it. I loved it. Um, the, we find out that the doll that was sent uh, wasn't from the Doctor. It was actually from the Master, who they have now captured and taken to unit. Um, and they put him in the, the basement. And he gets some good digs in, Joe. If you were a classic Doctor Who fan, boy, oh, boy, the things he says to Tegan and Ace. 
Oh, so good. Um, because he killed Tegan's mother, uh, aunt the first time he met her with the shrinky ray. Um, and we find out because he's the, he's kidnapped all the seismologists. That's where they went to. And he's planning something with volcanoes. Um, we end up finding out that the he's teamed up with the Daleks and the Cybermen to destroy Earth, kill the Doctor, or erase the Doctor, as he tells her. Um, and he ends up, uh, you know, he's the Doctor sends all his companions out to like the different places that they need to be. But first, she gives them, you know, the an electric shock, which I thought was, you know, I knew was going to be something. Um, she ends up finding the the master and they go back and he ends up forcing her to regenerate, which is a thing that they did from the second to the third doctor. The Galfrance could force you to regenerate, but he ends up forcing her to regenerate into him, into the master using that power source. Um, and he ends up, you know, running around the universe trying to destroy her good name with Yasmin dressed in all the doctor's clothes, Joe, which was fantastic. Um, so the Cyberman attack unit headquarters, because they used the doll that was actually from the master was one of the Cybermen, um, tries to take that place down. Uh, Ace goes to the volcano using her cool, cool jacket from the 80s, by the way. <laughs> um, she goes and ends up stopping the Cybermen from drilling into the Earth to destroy it with volcanoes with Graham, who shows up out of nowhere, which I love. Um, so Tegan and Kate end up stopping the Cybermen in unit headquarters. Uh, Viz Visner shows up for no apparent reason um, and helps uh, Yasmin take down the doctor and they go back and use the power source to bring the doctor back who was at the edge of death, seeing all the old doctors, all the stars are here. Joe. So in the end, they end up having a big battle on that planet. Uh, and they end up killing the master, but in the end they end up getting the doctor dead and she ends up, uh, regenerating into the 10th doctor joe there's a lot more in there but i figured you just wanted to breeze through this because you were bored to tears no okay so i wasn't bored to tears per se but as you mentioned there was so much going on in this right mm -hmm. and when was the last time that we watched a doctor who thing it's been like seven months maybe less than that probably probably oh maybe it was april Maybe it was April, if not the summer. It was either late March, early April. Okay. Right. So just trying to keep track and keep straight of who those people from that particular run were, right? Mm -hmm. Then you add in, like, here's these two other companions that, again, you know, they're from the, the older show, so they're old ladies, right? And I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. well, they're probably important in some way. But I'm sure as soon as you saw them or heard their names, you were like, oh, that's the so-and-so companion, right? Yep, that's Tegan and Ace. Tegan's the mouth on legs. Ace is the girl with Nitro 9, which has been updated to Nitro 999. All good stuff, Joe. See, I don't know any of this, right? Right. So Let's now say you're adding so much more extra stuff in here, and I'm doing my best. I'm keeping notes. I'm trying to take notes and i'm just like all right i can't focus on like the old people let's just focus on the stuff from this season your yaz 
you know, your Dan, your people like that, right? Oh, yeah. And Dan left. I'm sorry, because he didn't want to die. But I'm all over the place. I'm sorry, Joe. No, no. But I did like the episode because the guy that they had playing the master was a good threat. Yeah. Um, anytime that you're getting like multiple Doctor Who villains working together, it yep. helps raise the stakes for someone like me who's not a Doctor Who person. So I'll give you one thing it's if it's the Master. I'll give you another thing if it's the Cybermen. I'll give you another thing if it's the Daleks. If they're all working together, and then you even have a Dalek on the inside who's like, the evil race that I'm a part of are going too far. Mm-hmm. And any time that you get I get that you get to see the creatures that live inside the Daleks is like that's an extra star in the Tokyo Dome for me. <laughs> right. Um, so that's all good stuff. Like I said, I thought the guy who was the doctor, he's no Eric Roberts, but who is? You mean the master. The master, yes, I'm sorry, the master. So again, the master is really good. Um I did like at the end that, you know, because we have Tegan and we have Ace. And we have Yaz and we have all these other people that they end up forming a companion support group. Okay. That, all right. All right. We'll get to that in one second. And I'm going to come back. That and the fact that at the edge of death, she was meeting all like old doctors. And they were and- like, kind of like, it was like one being that was like kind of formulating like three or four or five, whatever doctors we could get. To, like, do a head scan of for the day, you know? Yes, which I'm fine with. And with that, every classic Doctor that's been alive has now been in current Doctor Who. Right. The actor. So, as you always say, you know how you get, you like, you love when your, your friends can get a WrestleMania payday without taking a bump? Right. All these Doctors get a payday sitting on a chair. Yep. And I'm like... Give them their money because they didn't get the money back in the day. That's fantastic. So I got goosebumps and I'm welling up because all these old doctors. And then when the holograms of the old doctors uh, interact with their respective companions. And Joe, I know, like you said, because you have to give up on the old stuff. The things that they say to each other make so much sense to me. Do you know what I mean? Right. And makes me cry. Like when he calls Tegan Braveheart, he called her all through the, uh, all through that, through like the show that she was on. And I'm like, this is beautiful. So I'm getting all these moments and they get to say goodbye because the seventh doctor, the show was canceled and him and Ace just, you know, their characters were left to nothing because they never had a, a, a finish episode. So I love that. And I'm like, this is so nostalgic to me. But then when they get to the companion support group and they go around the room and I'm like, there's Mel, there's like Tegan and Ace and Graham. And then Joe, they show Ian who like is the old guy. And he goes, she's a, he, the, the doctor's a woman now. Mm-hmm. That man was in the first episode of Dr. Who. He is 97 years old. <laughs> Just to have him there. I almost started crying. I was like, Ian, Ian is there. This guy's still around and they ended up getting him however they did it. If they, you know, shot him and then CGI'd him in the chair. How, I don't care. The fact that you have one of the like two actors that's left alive from the first episode of Doctor Who all the way back in November of 1963, that was the icing on the cake for me. Then on top of that, you bring back Tenet for a couple of specials. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, you're going to have the guy who reinvented Doctor Who to like and brought it to its heights writing it. And Joe, I'm going to say this. I've said this to everybody who DM'd me or texted me about this episode. I'm 99% sure Russell T. Davies wrote this episode and told Chris Chibnall, get out of the way. Put your name on it. I don't care. But this has all the hallmarks of a, uh, of a Russell T. Davies episode. Just take right. my word for it. So. I, I, I'm taking your word for it. And I will say, um, as a not longtime Doctor Who fan, just someone who watches it for this show, mm-hmm. um, when the, uh, you know, if the the little bit of knowledge that I have of Doctor Who, okay, mm-hmm. and seeing a previous Doctor show up as the next regeneration, I'm like, okay, let's see how these crazy Doctor Who's get out of this one. Yes, and Joe, boy, does it send like the tr- the dark uh, fans of Doctor Who. Do you know what I mean? Like every fandom has its dark underbelly. Yes, this is going to send them. They were so mad because Tenant already. Tennant already screws up the timeline because he was the 10th doctor. Then he gets shot by a Dalek and almost dies. And he starts to regenerate. And because of, uh, he lost a body part uh, years ago while he was regenerating the first time. And he was able to shunt his regeneration into that body part. So technically he's the 10th and 11th doctor. And now he's the 14th. I had people rioting and wanting to burn the BBC to the ground. The fact that he was 10 and 11, even though he wasn't 11, you know what I mean? Cause they bumped 11 to Matt Smith, but this now, now that he's 10, 10 and a half and 14. Now, I don't, they're, those people are the OCD in them is going to kill them, Joe. And I, I know just enough about Dr. Who to be dangerous, mm-hmm. but not enough to care. Yes, but these people care, and they care. Too, you know the the fans that care too much. Yes, those are these. The, but there's not a whole whole bunch of them. But there was one that shopped in the shop that was that way, and I had to talk them down a couple of times. <laughs> but I say I don't want to say that I don't care. But it's not like oh well, I better go back and watch those uh, fifth Doctor and sixth Doctor so I get more of the elaborate backstory. Of uh, Tegan and Ace. I'm like, no, I got enough of Tegan and Ace in this. No, I'm with you, and you don't. And when me and Adam do our Doctor Who podcast, we're only going to go back to nine. And I'll right. show them, like, certain clips when I have to, you know? Like, yeah. give them give them three-minute, four-minute homework, and that's it. Right. So I'm glad you kind of enjoyed it. You know? No, no, I did. I did enjoy it. Like I said, there was a lot in there, as you mentioned. There was a lot in there for longtime fans, and the stuff that was in there for longtime fans, I think, didn't overpower it and make it unaccessible to new fans. Right. Um, well, I'm glad. I'm glad. And now we don't have anything other than the three specials mm-hmm. and the 60th anniversary next year on Disney Plus, Joe. Right. So within the, for over the next year. From now to November 2023, we're going to get three more Doctor Who things like this, right? Right. Okay. Uh, now, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I was, were we going to touch on Black Adam? Like you said? I was going to say, last but not least, I think we could talk about Black Adam. Yes, that we didn't see. Which we didn't see, but I, I you know, I, I did seek out what the spoiler was in the movie. Right. Only because, like, it was separate, like, it was a separate, like, 
trending announcement. Um, and I'm like, okay, if this is a trending announcement and they have like a little interview with the guy, then there must have been something in Black Adam with him. Right. So I went and looked it up, and Henry Cavill has officially signed back on to do another Superman movie or something in the DC Cinematic Universe, and he's in, I guess, what, the end or the post-credit sequence? I where him so. and Black Adam have, like, a little, like, about to, like, a little uh, a little meet-cute, I guess. Right. I have no idea, but it was spoiled for me before the movie even came out. So. Oh, okay. Uh, actually, J.M. DeMatty spoiled it. Um, because he put up a screen cap of the like all the the credits of the 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 comic creators they would like to thank but not pay, you know what I mean? Um, right. And he's like, "What did we have in this? Like, I can't like." And they're like, "Oh well, you didn't you do some of that Doctor Fate run with Keith?" this and that and right there at the bottom like at superman or whatever like and special thanks to siegel and schuster you know what i mean i'm like well if it's not dr occult or the specter um it's probably superman <laughs> but it could have been the specter with jsa but uh but i am pumped for him to be back because i want to see what he can do with a good script and a good director and take that for what you will if you're a Zack Snyder fan. But uh, I would love to see James Gunn do a Superman movie. Or, like, J- actually, James Gunn put whoever is most competent to do a Superman movie. And I would be fine with that. And my pick still is Robert Zemeckis. I stand by Rocket. Robert Zemeckis would be the greatest Superman director of all time. Uh, yeah, I don't know if he's still, uh, kicking around directing, I say so, you know? Right, right, so. But this, this is gonna be on HBO Max in, like, a month and a half? Yeah, I'm not running out to the theater. Yeah, I'm not running out to the theaters either, because I think, what do we got, like, Black Panther in two weeks? Yes, yes. We got Black Panther in two weeks, and then we got, uh, the Gardens of the Galaxy, uh, holiday special two weeks after that. Yes, and I'm and that's it for the rest of this year because everything else got bumped to 2023. Um, yeah, and I'm nervous about uh, the Black Panther movie. Yeah, um, I want to see that as soon as possible because there's rumblings and things and things being said. Um, and I'm like, and I just don't like the idea of that being spoiled, especially coming off as we were talking earlier today the the Ant Man trailer. Oh, I didn't even, I didn't, yeah, I didn't even watch that, you know? Right, but you heard a bunch of things from it, is what you said. Okay, so we're in, we're in, like, deep spoiler discussion. Uh, the only thing that I saw was, like, a still or a gif of Bill Murray's in the trailer. Oh, okay, yeah, he definitely is. I don't know what context he's in the trailer, and literally that's the only thing I've seen from the trailer. Oh, good, then you are golden, son, because they give away some stuff in it. Yeah, I don't want nothing given away. So, yeah, so, I don't know, we'll have to make plans. Does your family want to see Black Panther 2? Uh, we haven't even had that conversation, but uh, whether they do or they don't, I know they enjoyed the first one, so I, I could probably curious. get them, yeah. I was just curious, because I know Tom usually uh, puts together a, uh, a movie safari, so I was just going to say, if you had any like any interest, I would, you know, maybe put your hat in the, the ring if your family wasn't doing it, you know? 
Yeah, it's just a Thursday is tough, you know? Oh, no, I know, because you do, you do the podcast, and I always forget about that, so. All right, either way, I don't want to make this any longer than the short show it already is. All right, so that's a good place to wrap things up here, as Todd requested. Uh, thank you very much for listening to episode 629 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying thanks for listening, and we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Listening to the soon to be named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.